0: Welcome to episode 33 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I'm Scott Sturman and I'm joined after two weeks again by Matt Deitch. Matt, how are
1: you? I'm back.
0: <laughs> you're back. Thank <laughs> God you're back.
1: Now, Stuart did a good job he did. in he my did. absence. It, yep. was, it was fun listening to the podcast up there. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a little different to hear somebody else's voice than my own on there, so I was actually a little bit more engaged with it, to tell you the truth.
0: Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun having having a different person on, but no offense to Stuart. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to have you back it you know it like i said no offense to him it just when you do 32 episodes together it, you know right it, it just kind of starts clicking that's whatever.
1: right no it was a fun two weeks up there we were by alexandria minnesota we were on lake mary uh, we stayed at westridge shores resort up there we that's like our sixth or seventh year in a row doing that it was a lot of fun it's always a blast up there really enjoy aaron and eric Fredrickson, they run the place and they do a great job with it a very family oriented resort Uh, we met a lot of people from around the country a lot of fellow iowa people uh most of them were hawkeye fans so
0: all the good ones are
1: yeah so that was kind of fun sitting around the fire talking to some of those guys and they had a lot of questions about fishing at night and you know they were excited about fishing too so it always makes it better and There's a couple that we know from over in the Chicago area that has been coming up there. I think they are on like 30-some years of going up to Lake Mary. And we've gotten to know them pretty well over the years and sit there and talk with them. So it's always fun to kind of get to see those people that you haven't seen for a a year and, you know, see how everything's going in their lives. But, yeah, fishing for two weeks, it's, it's definitely nice.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't suck.
1: I think the nice thing about it is just the fact that you're on the lake. So if weather comes in, you can be off the lake in five minutes you know you sit there it passes boom you're right back out there or you know it might get kind of windy we had one day up there where it was really windy but that was this last week so it was just kind of you know we didn't get much fishing in but when it would die down you could go out there and fish for a while before the wind got picked would pick back up so you could get some fishing in during the day no matter what the weather was had a couple of hail storms the first week while we were up there but again you know it was after we had had a full day of fishing in so it is what it is I mean the lake up there is pretty high it's about a foot higher than what it normally is they've had a lot of rain just like all of us have down around here uh the fishing fishing was you know pretty good depends what we were going after the first week we really didn't target pan fish a whole lot but when my dad got up there and that's kind of his thing is pan fish he really got onto a really good crappie bite so that was fun and we caught a lot of nice crappies
0: oh yeah but Mostly the pictures that I got from you were bass, and yeah. you got on a heck of a bass bite the one day. You about yeah. as fast as you could drop her in there, yeah. and you were pulling one <laughs> back out. That was crazy. Yeah,
1: one thing about Lake Mary is that there's not a lot of big bass in the lake, but there's a lot of numbers. yeah uh, the, the average fish is about that two to three pound range. It, well, I shouldn't say average. That's kind of on the upper end of the average size, is two to three pounds. And every once in a while, you pull in one that's four to five pounds, but. Usually nothing bigger than that, but there's a lot of one pound fish in there, so yeah went out there and Found kind of a deep weed edge in about 14 15 foot of water and put the drop shot out and it was it was a lot of fun It was one after another like you said I took a couple videos up put did a Facebook live catching some so that was kind of fun i was i thought man i'm catching them i'm gonna do the facebook live now watch as soon as i do that (laughs) they're gonna stop biting and we
0: we've had that before like (laughs) carp fishing down at the river you know just one after the other and you finally work up the courage to do a facebook live and nothing
1: Nothing. there goes the bite it's like they know what's going on exactly yeah so no it was a great time it's always relaxing spending some family time with my brothers and their families and nieces and nephews and my mom and dad so and yeah. my mom, and my wife emily obviously yep
0: well speaking of minnesota we've got a uh, guest today yes one we of do. your buddies
1: yep travis nielsen
0: and where where's travis exactly from
1: it's kind of i think he's from winnebago minnesota kind of over in that fairmont area okay. up in that area but yeah travis is he, he uh i caught my first muskie with travis yep yeah, definitely. Uh,
0: uh, Travis's specialty is a species that you, you're familiar with, but it, it's something relatively new to the podcast. We, you know, we've had bass fishermen, we've had walleye fishermen,
1: right. lake trout fishermen. Now we got the musky. Now fishermen. we got a musky fisherman yep. coming in.
0: Yeah, from north of the border in Minnesota. And <laughs> so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get Travis on the line here in a second. And yeah, Travis, you there, man? Yes, sir all right well we got a couple questions that we're going to start off with before we get into the fishing talk and uh i'll I'll take one matt will take another but first question i got for you is a hot dog a sandwich tell us why or why not
2: oh i'd have to say a sandwich and the reason why is because you know i just don't know what they put in hot dogs (laughs) <laughs> i don't think
1: any of us want to know what they put in hot dogs
0: so, so your vote yeah. is that it is a hot, it, that it is a sandwich
2: yes sir
1: okay it's in between two buns i suppose or in between in two, between pieces, of two
0: pieces of bread but he, he knew right <laughs> off yeah, the bat didn't, he didn't, didn't even, even have to think well, about he was, it he was, i don't know what matt's thinking
2: about here but <laughs> <laughs> he's excited <laughs> yeah,
1: i'm finally back <laughs> yeah. all right and then the other one is okay if you're on death row what's your death row meal
2: Oh, man, I'd have to say uh, a tomahawk, one uh, of those tomahawk ribeyes. Oh, yeah. And uh, probably a baked potato and some uh, steamed Brussels sprouts with a big slice of cheesecake.
1: <laughs> you, already, you thought about this I a little bit. I was going to say, what is going
2: on here? <laughs> uh, I was thinking of my favorite foods, you know? Well, yeah, yeah that's yeah, true. I, guess, yeah.
1: I mean, that sounds like just like a weeknight meal for scott but yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah well, you
2: don't
0: yeah. you don't get your name on the wall at texas roadhouse by eating by eating hot dogs <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. we gotta you gotta you gotta practice for those events now. that's exactly that's right
0: so all right well we'll get to the to the real bread and butter to the fishing but uh tell us about yourself and uh how you got started in fishing
2: in fishing well i think the fishing bug got transferred to me from probably both my grandpa and my dad I remember as a kid, man. I used to ask to go fishing anytime I could, and I actually got uh, branded. My uh, my cousin made me this little quilt thing when I was little that said uh, <clears throat> said my name Travis. I'd rather be fishing. Cause that's pretty <laughs> much what I did. No, uh, but
0: what? no, no. Go ahead, go ahead.
2: No, no. I uh, uh, I've been fishing for as long as I can remember, and I remember, you know, in high school. When the uh, teachers asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, and I said, well, I want to fish and hunt for a living. And she kind of laughed at me a little bit. Well, I do not think that was very funny because that's what I wanted to do. So mm. that's kind of what I what I tried for. And uh, now, now you're doing it I'm and laughing on. at her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying to find the ways to do it full time, you know.
1: Right. I think we all are.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%.
1: No, I mean, it is crazy how you say that, you know, being a teacher myself and having the same experience you did back in when I was in school, it, there really wasn't any opportunities, a lot of opportunities in jobs in the fishing or hunting industry or both of them when we were in school. But now it's, I mean, it's just crazy the opportunities out there that kids or anybody really, if they want to get into it, they really can.
2: Yeah, yep, exactly. And I, you know, I happen to be... I consider myself lucky because I happen to meet the right people, it seems like, the right people at the right times. And I don't know, you know, divine intervention or what that may be, but, you know, I I feel very lucky because of that.
1: It's all about those connections. I mean, that's why you always got to treat everybody with respect and equally and everything like that because you never know when, you know, you're going to need them.
2: Yeah, 100%. Yep, yep. I tried to never burn bridges.
1: That's right. So
0: how long have you been guiding?
2: Um, I think this is uh what year is this? about two thousand nineteen. Probably I think it's right, right around year seven. Year seven. Yeah, right six or seven. I can't remember. I don't know if that's the age or what it is.
1: And now you but, you guide for everything at the at the moment, right?
2: Yeah, at the moment I do, yeah. You know, I prefer if if I had to choose two species, I would always choose muskies first and then walleyes after that.
1: Right.
0: Tell, tell the listeners about your guide service, what it's called, where they can find you.
2: Oh, uh, my, my guide service is called the hookup fishing guide service. Um, and you can find me on, you know, most people find me on Facebook or Instagram. <clears throat> um, that's where I, or just through my regular, you know, Travis Nielsen on uh, Facebook itself is where most people get, get a hold of me through. But, uh, yeah, I guide from, uh, well, okay, that's going to be changing in the future. Right now I'm guiding from uh, northern Iowa all the way up to, you know, uh, Lake Vermillion. Right. Um, I make stops through the way, you know, Lake uh, Miltona up by Alexandria. Um, I do a lot. I used to do a lot more down here on Fox Lake, but um, the lake has gone quite dirty, and it's a lot harder to have the full experience. Uh, there. Even though there's big fish in there and you can still catch them, it's not quite as good as it used to be. I think it's a lot to do with the water quality that's there and, and the, uh, how clear it is.
0: So tell us about the change.
2: Um, You know, it started, it was probably about, now it's probably about three years ago, four years ago. It was the last, the cleanest year. I did a, I did a filming bit with Keys Outdoors out there about. I don't remember how many years ago that four four years ago maybe five, and that was the last year where I, I take that back. The year after that was the last year where the water clarity was at least three feet, and it progressively got worse. And now I I went out there on opener for about maybe an hour and a half, and I had about an inch clarity. Wow. And I just kind of was like, well, I'm not even going to bother because. And I'm not going to lie, I saw fish on site imaging. I mean, you can see them just laying there. But you just kind of lose all your hope when you can't even see your bait. And you really can't move your bait slow enough, unless you're using top water, to effectively, you know, let that fish get on that bait and track it. And, and you know, because they were super shallow. Huh.
0: Hmm. And they don't really know what's causing it?
2: Um, not as far as I know. I've heard a couple rumors, but of what's going on about, uh, something. And I don't know what's true or what's not true.
0: Yep. Well, uh, we don't want to spread rumors.
1: That's right. Hopefully we yeah, can get yeah. it figured out here pretty soon.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't know what the issue is, but that was, that was my, that was my, it, it still is, you know, I had two of my best days out there. Right. And, and uh, fish out of there. Is there's a lot of fish in there, and there's a lot of big fish in there, and that's what's tough about it. Is I know they're in there, and it's just it's frustrating when you can't um, fish it the way you are accustomed to fishing.
1: Right now, are then are muskies kind of a predominantly a uh, sight feeder then, or
2: um, you know they have a huge lateral line, so you know vibration and, and things like that um, in your baits is. Is really good but visual is is how I imagine most of them oh,
1: okay. you know um so you know like you said now muskies I know I've known you for a while now and muskies is your is your thing so why muskies
2: that's the king of freshwater man <laughs> it's the it's the ultimate freshwater predator right and you know another thing is is they're not easy to catch You know, the difference between a a follow and a catch is 100%. Oh, I shouldn't say 100%. Let's say 90% in your hands. If you go through the motions and you you do everything to keep that fish committed to your lure, whatever it may be, and there's some lures that are easier than others, um, a lot of that's in your hands and how you present the bait in a figure eight next to the boat and, and availability to get that fish in the bag.
1: Yeah, to be uh, to be a musky fisherman, you got to be dedicated. That's for sure. I mean, you got to have that passion to want to go I mean, You can't just. I mean, you could casually go out there, but your chances of catching one aren't as good as somebody that you know really play, pays attention to everything like you do.
2: Yeah, I mean, you really have to pay attention to the details, and and getting into a flow of of. You know, it's easy to just make a cast and not do an L turn or a, or a figure eight when you pull your bait in. And the time you don't do it, it's probably going to be the time that there's a fish behind it. Right.
0: For the people that don't fish muskies that are listening, tell them what a figure eight is.
2: So a figure eight is a motion. So when you're bringing your bait in, let's just say i are having me throwing a bucktail. So I cast my bucktail out and I'm bringing it in. And when I'm bringing my bait in, you're constantly, every cast, you're looking... Not just right behind your bait, but maybe five, ten feet behind it, and also below it, because muskies will track behind them as they're they're almost you could say stalking their prey. Um, when you come into the, when you're coming up to the boat, you come in and you do like a 90 degree turn with your rod, and you just imagine a, a giant figure eight. You would you would draw a line with your rod in the water, um, with so when you come up on your Let's just say you're, you imagine that in your head in the center. I typically go fast and deep in the center. When I come up on the turns on the outsides, I like to go slower and hang my bait because typically that's where if you do it in that fashion, nine times out of ten, the muskies are going to hit on that corner. And when they do that, you know, they're typically going to T-bone your bait. So when you set back, you know, most people will keep going forward with your bait as you're going to your figure eight. But when the fish hits, you want to actually set back into the fish. That way the hook's actually... Uh, you get penetration into the mouth there. Now, so what, for a person, good-
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yep, yep exactly, yeah. exactly.
0: For a person that's caught as many muskies as you, do you can you give an idea of what the percentage is of how many you've caught that have been out in your cast and how many you've caught during your figure
2: eight? Oh, let's say seventy-five percent in the figure eight.
1: Seventy-five percent in the figure eight. That's why it's so important to always do that on every cat. Absolutely,
0: you get lazy with it, and I you mean really you're missing seventy-five percent of your fish.
1: Yeah.
2: Yep. Exactly. So that's why it's so critical. I mean, when I'm guiding, you know, I, I watch. You know, I might get like almost annoying with it when I keep telling them, "Hey, you got to figure it every single time." But if you don't understand, right? You know, I took this guy out it's just for an example. Um, and I'll never forget it. It took him out. We we're on Miltona, and uh, we pulled up on this weed line. We start going down, and it wasn't when I fished a lot, but I knew there were still fish there sometimes. And I basically went there because I was teaching him how to cast the baitcaster first, because you got to be able to cast. So his first cast goes about five feet. And I'm like, hey, that's okay. You know, we're learning. Let's keep going. Second cast goes about twenty feet, and I'm like, you know, showed him a few things in correction. The third cast he made was a bomb cast one, way out there. So I was just teaching the retrieve, and it happened to be throwing, I think we were actually using a a cowgirl at the time. And he's bringing it back in, and he saw his bait coming through the water, and he's like, hey, what the heck is that? Well, he has a fish, and it's well over 50 inches behind his bait. And I'm like, oh, crap, I haven't taught him anything else. (laughs) And I I told him, I said, all right, what I'm going to do, is I'm gonna, when you get that bait close to the boat, I'm gonna push your rod tip to the the side. And then I want you just to do a picture, a picture of figure eight in your head out in the water and draw the line and just kind of continue with that motion. I said, she's gonna eat in this first side of it. He's like, okay, okay. So the fish comes in and she was right. I mean, her nose is probably touching the tinsel. And I pushed his rod to the side as hard as I could. And she flared her gills up like she was gonna eat it. And then he forgot what he was gonna do. (laughs) And the fish just went below the bait and left. And you know, it's funny to me. because He's like, "Well, oh, this is really easy. I I didn't imagine this this easy." I'm like, "Well, you know, it's really not this easy." And then you know, proceeded. He he did catch a fish that day. And then I, I think I caught an, I caught a couple that day too. But it was uh all those things that unless you do it a lot, there's days where you don't even see anything. Right. And then, like, there's days where you can have ten follows and none of them want anything to do with you.
0: I've I've heard you mention bucktails and I've heard you mention cowgirls. Tell us what your top three baits are.
2: Top three baits? Yep. I would have to say top three. Shoot, sure, I'd probably say uh, musky mayhem showgirl would be my number one that I have to take everywhere. Boy, that's a tough one. Um, I definitely have to have a soft tail glider like a phantom glider. Um, just because of yeah. And then probably a probably bulldog, Musky Innovations bulldog. Those would be the three I'd have to have.
1: Right on. Well, no. I didn't
2: even say yeah, a topwater even. Wow. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say. You, you can do 10. five. I, I
2: won't. <laughs> I won't get mad at you.
1: We're fishermen. Like, we, we know how it goes. It's like, right, oh, yeah. that one. Well, no, I need this one too. So.
2: You definitely have to have a prop style topwater and Hell a Walker yeah. boots on topwater. Those two right there.
1: You can't go wrong with prop style topwater. I think that's what most of my big fishes have ever come off of.
2: You know, that's a funny. Lie to you. You're talking Spanish. <laughs> it's funny that some of the biggest fish I've seen in the last couple of years. So a uh, guy I you know, Matt Worth, makes a bait called a flat tail. And it's the funniest thing in the world, like people see it and they're like, Why do muskies want to eat this thing? Some of the some of the bigger fish we've we've boated in the past couple of years have been on that bait.
1: Yeah, sometimes the the goofier the bait, the better they are because I don't know what why. Maybe it's just something they don't see very often. When they do, it's just like, all right, right, gotta have that. Yep. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's kind of funny. Like I, I don't even know why they want to eat it. But right. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I don't, they don't know what they think it is. Yeah, it's I know. Like
1: a... <laughs> um. Now you said you you guide throughout kind of the Midwest up here in northern Iowa up into Minnesota. What would be your top your favorite lakes that you fish
2: oh you know even though lake vermilion was tough this year i love fishing up there it's it's so you know it's like being in canada but you're not
1: right i just there was just an aim walleye tournament on there and a lot of those guys were talking about how it's like the structure there's so much structure in that lake that it's just incredible
2: yep yep yeah and that's exactly what it is i mean you're fishing you can you can fish rock weeds um, and there's different kinds of rock you can fish. You can fish the, you know, like tabletop rock or you can fish boulders, shale rock. Um, there's, you know, there's big cabbage up there. There's, I don't know what the technical name for the other kind of cabbage that we call it tobacco leaf cabbage. It's like a huge leaf, a uh, single leaf on this weed. And, you know, yeah, it looks like a tobacco plant. Oh, okay. Um, but there's, there's so much diversity up there. You can fish deep water. You fish super shallow. Uh, sometimes in the fish, that's some of the funnest fishing I've had is the, the muskies get up on the rocks up there, on the rock piles, in the reefs. You can get up there and just burn bucktails. It's so much fun.
0: Now, for a person like me who's very inexperienced uh, with muskie fishing or somebody who's listening who doesn't musky fish but wants to get into it, what's some advice that you could give us?
2: Oh, I would say, you know, here, the thing is, is, you know, and a lot of people say, well, so because I'm a guide that I'm saying this, but it's not, I would say either go with a buddy that before you even start buying anything, go with a buddy or hire a guide to go out because it's not, it's not an inexpensive sport, but make sure it's something that you would really like to do once. And I guarantee you, it doesn't matter how old you are. Once you have your first giant fish follow your bait, you're going to be hooked.
1: Oh, yeah, that's for sure. I believe but that.
2: But just just going out with somebody who has the equipment to make it in the right equipment to make it so it doesn't kill your body going out. Because I'm not going to lie, it's it's tough work some days. Oh, Especially yeah. if, you, if you're burning, if you have to burn bucktails. And that is what that means is you're casting out as far as you can and reeling that bait as fast as your body can can, can allow yourself to reel. And the fish are going to catch it. There's no way you can out, out reel a fish. So, you know that that is excruciating, especially when you have to do it for three, four days. That that'll that'll tear up your body.
0: Now, if you show up to a lake, lake you've never fished at before, and and you, but you know there's muskies in it. What are you looking for?
2: Um, probably the biggest food table to start. what I mean by food table is probably the biggest piece of structure that has uh you know access to deep water is one thing I'll be looking for um obviously there's you know either weeds or rock on it that will hold bait but also you know give the muskies a structural advantage to stalk stalk their prey um but access to deep water also is another type of cover as well but uh I would probably, but, you know, honestly, even before I cast, myself, before I cast, I, I go through with, you know, I happen to run hummingbirds in my boat, and I'll go through with side imaging, and a lot of times you can mark the fish in those particular areas, and you can, you know, before you even fish there, you can say, well, there's no fish here, you know, we're not marking anything, let's just go look somewhere else. Until you actually go somewhere and you start marking uh, on your side image, marking some muskies, and then I'll probably start casting. But you know, if there's a lot of bait there, um, I might still cast it anyways because you know sometimes you just sometimes there's things you just can't see. But if bait's present, more than likely there should be a couple fish there.
1: Right, and you know you talk about with the hummingbirds like that. Besides rods and the lures, obviously, uh, what are some other equipment if somebody is going to go out musky fishing for the first time that they should probably have in their boat? Like you know, everybody always thinks, oh, okay, I got rods, I got reels but they don't think about some of the other things because once you hook into that musky, um, you got to have a big net, obviously. And once yep. you get it into the net, I mean, you want to release it as safely and quickly as possible.
2: Um, what I would recommend, you know, having a, having a bolt cutters of some sort, like a, I've got, uh, I can't remember the, the company that makes them, but a good set of cutters so you can cut them heavy hooks. Um, A long needle-nose pliers, hookouts. I actually wear uh, when I'm unhooking the fish. I actually wear uh, Lindy makes a a hook-proof glove. I wear that. um, I just because I don't want to bury hooks in my hands while I'm dealing with fish, because you know they thrash a lot when they're in the net, roll things like that. Really easy to get hurt when you're unhooking a fish in the net. Um, But just if you got a fish that's hooked so bad you can't get the hooks out, cut, cut hooks. Um, You know they always make more hooks. Right. So cut hooks off and, uh, um, you know, I like to let the fish lay there a little bit in the net. Uh, after I get it all unhooked, just kind of let her sit there for a little bit before I go pulling her out of the water. Uh, to You know, a lot of times we'll lay her on a bump board, which is uh, a measuring tool. You know, you can lay her right on there. Most of them fold up, fold up and over. Um, to lay them on there, get a measurement of her, take a quick picture, put her back in the water. And then, you know, when you get them in the water, you know, they'll let you know when they're ready to go, you know, you'll feel their body kind of tense up, and then you'll feel, starting to get a little life back in their body, because they, they exert a lot of energy once they get hooked, and get, you know, all that, all that uh, stress from catching them, getting them in the net, unhooking them, having them out of the water take a picture, you know, just putting them back in the water, and just letting them regain themselves, so that way they can swim away and live to fight another day.
0: In the musky world, catch and release is number one. Why is that so important?
2: Um, it's a valuable resource. Not only that, it's an expensive resource. So, um, you know, in some of these big fish, take some, in stump fisheries, it takes them, you know, 18, 20, 30 years to get the size that they get. So it doesn't happen overnight. You know, walleyes typically grow, um, a lot faster, you know, they, they grow faster. Muskies grow slower. Once they hit, I read a study and I don't remember the exact length, but I know once they hit 36 inches, they get to 36 inches fairly quickly. But once they hit 36, it takes them a long time to reach that 50-inch mark.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it is. It's so important to let those things, you know, let them go, treat them, you know, handle them as carefully as possible. Because, like you said, they do exert a lot of energy in that fight. And, I mean, they can die if you don't handle them the right way.
2: Yeah, especially, like, right now is, is critical because I, I won't fish down down this way you know most of the water times are, are above 80 degrees and you you have uh the you know a lot of times you catch a fish when the water is above 80 degrees um they can kill the fish
1: right And so yeah like you say a lot of guys don't fish fish then they a lot of them like you go up to the northern minnesota waters where the water is cooler most of the time
2: yep yeah 100 percent. yeah i'll head up there No, even if, you know, there's lakes in Alexandria, I don't think every once in a while they'll hit 80 degrees, but not very often.
1: Right. I think we had this last couple weeks when we were up there, it was in the upper 70s. I mean, it was getting up there close to the 80 degree mark, but.
0: Yep. Yep. What's the biggest Um,
2: muskie you've ever caught? 55 and a half inches.
0: 55
2: and a half inches. Holy (laughs) moly. Yeah, that was was quite a while ago. I've been itching just to catch one bigger.
0: (laughs) What's the biggest one you've ever caught? on a guide trip, like one of your customers?
2: Oh, uh, shoot, I think probably, I gotta think back here, 52 probably. There you go,
0: guys. You want a 52-inch muskie, you know <laughs> who to call.
1: Um, You know, besides the guiding like that, you also dabble in some of the professional muskie tournaments too, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, I fished that professional muskie tournament trail. Um, <clears throat> You know, it's that's a trail that, um, I typically stick to the Midwest in their tournaments. You know, I try to anyway. Actually, this year, the World Championships on uh, Spirit Lake Okoboji. Oh, it is? Yeah.
1: When When is that?
2: Uh, October, gosh, I think it's 4th and 5th.
1: Wow, I might have to go over and you watch that. you fishing in
2: it? Uh, no, I, uh, because uh, we're moving, I uh, didn't really have time for... Uh, fishing the trail this year i am going to do the uh mega event they have a P- pmtt as a mega event where it's a bigger entry fee bigger payout um this year that's on leech lake oh, fishing cool. with uh, my buddy ryan
0: have you ever finished pretty high or won any of them professional muskie uh, uh, tournaments?
2: typically we've been uh let's see we got third place on eagle river um and well, let's see here i gotta think here i'm trying to remember I know the Vermilion one, we were just uh, right at that, I don't think we got top 10, I think it was 11th, we were just shy, like one point away from being in uh, the top 10, but that was, uh, I think third is the best we've done, and you know, that's out of a field, most tournaments run 125 boats.
0: Wow. Take us through that day, how how many fish did you catch? Uh...
2: Actually, we, so, the day we got third, it was, uh. It was on Eagle River. Which is been, in Wisconsin. Northern Wisconsin.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay.
2: yep. northern Wisconsin. Um, it's uh, Seven Lakes. I believe it's Seven Lakes. There's Watersmeat, uh Cranberry, uh, Catfish, um, Eagle Lake. Can't remember all the other ones. There's there's a couple uh, waters did I say waters meat? Anyways, Yellow Birch. Um, anyways, there's a there's a bunch of lakes up there that are connected to the Wisconsin River. And they have tournaments up there uh, every year, actually, and this was our uh, actually our second tournament we've ever fished together, Ryan and I. And uh, we just went through, um, and what we did, particularly that that particular year, we looked for a structure nearest to deeper water, and uh, you know if we found weed lines, that happened to go a little bit deeper, uh, we moved. We went a lot, we fish a lot of water pre-fishing. We were up there for, you know, you go up there for about a week in advance and you pre-fish trying to figure out what the fish are doing, um, what they want to eat. And uh, we found one spot, you know, what's funny is Ryan and I've, most of the tournaments we fish, we pick out two or three spots um, that we want to fish. And then we fish them hard, um, you know, we're fishing through, you know, all the moon phases where if we, if we happen to move and fish, um, we'll come back and, and we'll, nine times out of ten we catch that fish uh, when they, you get a moon phase coming through, whether it be a major or a minor. Moonset, moonrise, things like that. Um, but we happened to, uh, Ryan caught the first fish of that tournament. It was funny, he uh, during that week the fish had wound their bucktails a little bit faster. So I was cranking in the bucktail pretty pretty fast in the back, and Ryan was uh, pulling a jerkbait. I think is what he was doing. Anyways, he switched over to a bucktail and just started going a little bit slower. And it was like his second cast. He caught that. He caught a 46 incher. And for, you know, I'm used to Minnesota fish, okay? Minnesota fish, a 46-inch fish, is an okay fish. But out in Wisconsin, I, you know, I learned that out there, 46-inch fish is a really big fish. So I was like, hoo we got a 46, you know, that, was, that made us feel pretty good. Nice, clean fish, too, really pretty fish. And then uh, we fished that. We kept circling that spot because we were marking bait all over it. And it wasn't a very big spot. It was probably, gosh, it was 100 feet by 200 feet, probably. And it was. It, it gets kind of boring doing that, but when you know the fish are there, it's just a matter of that bite window opening up when those fish decide to start chasing and eating. And we fished there almost till noon, and then we said, you know what? we'd moved a really big fish on another spot. So we went to go check that out and then we got all the way there and fished that uh, quick. And then we went to one other spot and I looked at Ryan and I said, we got to get back to all those fish that are on that one spot. So we went back there and I think it was our, our first pass. That had been our second trip around spot after we the spot up you on a top water. And then I, it was kind of funny. There was, there were storms building And I knew the fish were just going to blow up. The storms were building, uh, coming through, or weren't quite through yet, but you could see them on the horizon. And I threw this topwater around and started bringing it in, and I saw a little beak of a muskie come up behind it and miss it. And I said, oh, there's one. And, you know, a big boil behind the bait. And she turned and just attacked it. And I didn't think it was hooked that well. And Ryan, I'm like, she's not hooked good. Hurry up, get back here with the net. If we got her in the net, and there was like all the hooks are buried in her. So I'm like, oh, never mind. I didn't think she was hooked that good. Apparently, she was. And then uh, those two fish, uh, day one, is what we got, and we were sitting in second place. And then day two came, and we had uh, uh, two opportunities where where fish were at the boat. We just couldn't get them to uh, couldn't couldn't get them to finalize the deal. But we ended up uh, going to the meeting that that night, and I kept, you know, I'll never forget the moment we're sitting there. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, all right, hopefully we're at least in the top 10, you know, because we didn't catch anything on day two. And they kept going through the places, and I'm like, wow, they haven't said our name yet. But I know we had more points than these guys yesterday, so where are we, you know, and ended up getting third. And I was like, cool, you know, that's pretty awesome. Made for a nice long trip home you know yeah,
1: for sure
0: yeah that's awesome
1: now how did, like how do those musky tournaments work as far as obviously there's not a way in you catch the fish you measure them right there you, you like take a couple pictures of them
2: yeah so what you do is when you catch a fish and you get in the net you call up uh you call up a uh, i can't think of his name right now you call him the guy the guy's in charge of the tournament you call him up and say hey we got a fish in the bag and then that way he knows, and then what you do is you unhook the fish, you uh, measure it out, and you take a picture of it laying on the bump board, um, and make sure, and they give you these stickers for each each morning of a certain color okay. that you have to have on your bump board, and they have to be visible, so that way they know that it's from that day. Yep. yep. So you take the pictures of it laying on the bump board and make sure you know, you got the nose touching one side, and your tail stretched out, and then you take a picture of holding it, then you release it, and then you call them up and say, hey, uh, we just released the fish. And that way you can start fishing. So once you have a fish in the boat or in the net, you know, the other guy can't be fishing. So right. You know, um, and then uh, you have a sheet that you fill out, and then it goes by points. So the length of your fish determines the amount, the amount of points that you get. Like, you get more, obviously get more points for a 50-inch fish than you do a 30-inch fish. You get quite a few more points, um, and you know. So, a guy with a three thirty-inch fish, I think, can get beat by a guy with a fifty-inch fish, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Okay,
2: pretty darn close. Yeah, well, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah.
1: yeah, yep. Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, it's always a little different. You know, a lot of people don't know know what all goes into like a musky tournament like that. I mean, we see the bass fishing tournaments on TV and the walleye tournaments. There's a lot of different formats for those, but you know, the musky tournaments, it's it's kind of a foreign thing for a lot of people
2: oh yeah yeah and there you know what it's, it, it's kind of it's very humbling because you're going up against the best sticks in the world oh yeah you know, for sure there's a lot of, it's <coughs> excuse me there's it's a lot and it's a lot of fun you know i've met a lot of good friends uh on the trail that i still talk to a lot mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun
1: so now do you guys have any sponsors through the tournaments and stuff like that or anybody that sponsors you right now
2: um, uh, right. Well, we're still working on that right now, but we do work with, you know, I work with, uh, uh, musky man, tackle, uh, musky innovations, uh, just in case, um, you know, just in cases who built, they build, uh, uh, lure boxes. They're
0: yep.
2: Awesome. You can stand on them. They're, they're I've beat the crap out of mine over the past few years. <clears throat> you don't think about your tackle box that much until you're putting, Fifty to seventy dollar baits in them. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, you know, just guys I work. You know, I have a Garcia. Um, all the companies that I work with, I help promote their products. At the same time, they they help me out when tournament times come around. Great companies to work with. Yeah. And I'm probably missing a few, and I'm sorry if I am. But. Well.
0: So. No, before we let you go, Travis, uh, if you want to let us know one more time uh, how people can get a hold of you, what your guide service is called um you said that it was on facebook but yeah just repeat that one more time for the listeners
2: yeah yeah it's uh the hookup fishing guide service um you can get a hold of me on facebook or instagram and you can also get a hold of me by telephone if you want to text or call either way it doesn't bother me that's a uh, 507-381-5439
1: right on well we appreciate you calling calling in and talking with us and hopefully uh people understand a little bit more about the musky fishing world
2: well for sure i gotta get you out again Matt. sometimes
1: i know we need to get out again we've had a couple of good days
2: yeah i remember i remember the first time you caught your first one
1: yep my first muskie was with you
2: yep that was a lot of fun
1: yep for sure
0: so all right thanks a lot travis
2: yeah thank you see you
0: all right there he goes travis nielsen uh yeah we want to thank Travis for stopping by and talking uh you know muskie fishing is just not something that a ton of people around here really do so
1: kind of a select few you know we got fish over there in the Iowa Great Lakes Okoboji and Spirit Lake there's some pretty good muskies in there but again it's very rarely do you see a lot of people out there like when we're out fishing out you know chucking those big baits around for them
0: well, what, what do they call them, the, the fish of 10,000 casts.
1: Yep. And I
0: think that's just it, you know. I mean, kind of like Craig Euler with the lake trout. You're, you're not going to go out there and catch numbers, but you got to be out there specifically for that one fish, and, and that's what drives them, guys.
1: Oh, for sure. So,
0: well, going into our next deal, uh, Matt, you've got a big uh, weekend, uh, end of the week.
1: Uh, yeah, coming up wednesday wednesday leaving for lacrosse wisconsin i'm gonna fish as a co-angler in the bassmaster central open over there so pretty excited about that been doing a lot of research and looking online at stuff i'm not able to get out there to do any pre-fishing which in a way kind of sucks so don't really know what the water conditions are right now and everything like that but then again in a way as a co-angler You're
0: kind of at the mercy of of the boater. Of
1: the boater. You know, what will happen on Wednesday, registration is from 1 to 4, and then 5 o'clock they have a rules meeting with all the boaters and all the non-boaters, and then they will have your pairing there. And uh, I'll get their phone number and have to get a hold of them, and hopefully that night I can talk to whoever I'm paired with for Thursday morning, kind of get an idea of what we're going to be doing so I know how to set up my rods because I'm only going to bring, like, four or five rods along. Uh, I think they say no more than six, but I don't think I'll have six just for the fact of, I don't want all my equipment laying around in the boater's boat because I'm in his boat and, you know, and he's, he or she, I should say, there's, there's women in tournament too that, you know, it's their boat. They've got more invested into it than what I really do. Uh, but yeah, they, I'm fishing for five or for three fish and they're fishing for five up until about a week ago, they were only going to be able to. Keep three fish as well, but oh, really? But one of the, somebody over there, I can't think of his name, I saw it on Facebook a couple times. He met with the Wisconsin DNR and the tournament directors and were, was able to get them to get like a special permit for this tournament so that the boaters could have a five fish limit. So they're fishing for five fish, I'm fishing for three fish out of the back of the boat. Uh, I've got all my packets from you know bat the organization bass and going through all the rules and stuff there's a lot of like little i'm glad i mean you got to do that stuff and i'm glad i did because one of the things is is you got to have non-penetrating culling clips and so i had to go out and get some of those i had planned on it anyways but that was kind of like okay here we go and what those are they just kind of press down and hold on to a fish's lip so you can get them in and out of the live well easier and identify which is your smaller fish for culling reasons and stuff like that so yep now this Bassmaster open that you're going to uh
0: not specifically this tournament but uh the Bassmaster opens are the biggest tournament that for say an average person like you and i can technically get into get correct? into
1: yep correct i mean the elite series you've got to qualify to be on that tour and you know that takes a lot of big money a lot of sponsorship same way with the central opens a lot of these people that are fishing in these tournaments that's their aspirations is to get onto the into the elite series so they're fishing all these tournaments for points and you know usually like the top i don't know what it is the top five or eight people in the opens points can qualify get into the elite series so
0: and there are a couple well at least for sure one elite series anglers fishing in this
1: oh there's there's quite a few there's probably about a handful of elite series anglers fishing this event or flw pros or major league fishing pros that are also in it too because you can still get qualified for the bassmaster classic through this too like the winner in the non or the winner of the boater division the pro division he he or she if they fish all of the opens and they win a tournament, they I think it's that way. Yet they qualify for the Bassmaster Classic next spring.
0: Right. The St. James River was this last weekend, and Mike Iconelli won, won it. That. But he does not qualify for the Bassmaster right. Classic because he hasn't fished the other ones. Correct. But I seen like Brad Watley is fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Aldane's wife, Trait is yeah. fishing. Um, Micah Frazier's brother Mark, I believe, is fishing. Uh, okay. there, there's Gerald, a,
1: Gerald Swindle is fishing. Gerald Swindle, John Cox, John Cox, yeah, John Cox. He's won the Forest Wood Cup, I'm pretty sure. I think he has. Uh, so I mean, it'd be kind of crazy to get paired with one of those guys. And
0: yep, the the potential to get paired with, uh, I mean. You know, and at the end of the day, any of those boaters, none of them suck.
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, these guys, these people are out there. I mean, they're some of them have been out there for a while now practicing. I mean, they're putting in all this time. Like I said, the boaters have way more invested in, than the co-anglers do. But, you know, still as a co-angler, you're going out there to compete. Uh, what happens is the first on Thursday and on Friday, uh, everybody fishes. And then Saturday, the top twelve fish on Saturday. So you know, the ultimate goal is. I mean, obviously, I'm not going out there just to go out there and fish. Uh, would I like to win the thing? Heck yeah, I'd like Heck to. Yeah. I'd like to win the thing. But you know, if I can just finish in the money, I, that'd be kind of that'd be pretty cool. I, I mean, it'd be unreal to fish on Saturday to finish in the top twelve. Uh, you know, there's two hundred pros fishing and 200? there's 200 okay. co-anglers fishing so quite a few from japan too yeah there's a lot i think uh the i think there's 26 uh states or countries represented in the pro division and like 28 in the co-angler that, division so. that's very cool so yeah it's it, it and it you know talking about getting paired with p on the second day you know after the first day the weigh-ins are done you find out right there who you're next day pro is so then you got to try to get in contact with them you know you're setting up your meeting times where to meet because you know 200 200 boats to get in and out of the water and do all that stuff it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time so,
0: so on the second day is that a random draw how yep. you find- it, okay it, both, it, both it, days yeah. i didn't know if it was how you placed on the first day is how you right. got set up with your uh partner for the second day or how no
1: i think it's pretty much random draw same okay. way with same way with like the third day of the top twelve, I think they just random draw that one too, uh, from what I from what I understand, but I could be wrong on that too. So cool, very cool. You know, there's uh, there's some guys in the coangler division that fish all the events. They travel around with a pro, and so you know they kind of know what's going on. And you know, I'm trying to figure out. I'll bring a lot of my equipment along, but that's why it's so important. I want to get a hold of the boater and figure out what our plan is so i know what to pack because i'm i don't want to show up with everything i own i you know you you try to limit it to
0: to like one or two
1: boxes you know you rain gear and things like that and try to pack as minimal as possible and you know what it's
0: like to have a have a co-angler that's really not organized and really in the way
1: i haven't had one yet you you do a good job of packing all your stuff
0: no but no very cool uh Everybody yeah. keep your fingers crossed and, and root for Matt. Uh, Troy Deedy and Greg Vance, yep, uh, yes, past so. guests, are also in the boater division. Yep, they're the so
1: pros. be rooting for those guys, too. It'd uh, be kind of cool to get paired with one of those guys. Absolutely. That'd be kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. I, I was kind of thinking, you know, if you would happen to get paired with one of those Japanese people, if they do not speak English, like, yeah. can you imagine that, the language barrier there right. between you and them? I um, mean, you know, maybe you'd... Form your own little way of sign language or or write down stuff or whatever but you know i'm sure all of them got something to teach you too oh for sure
1: that's uh, that's what i'm i'm really doing it for the experience i've always wanted to fish in a big tournament before and like you said this is the besides going to the pro division this is the biggest tournament as a co-angler that i could get into so uh, i'm looking forward to it i'm excited i'm i'm pumped for it and i'm just gonna go out there and fish you know it's have confidence in what i know how to do and if we're going to be up in the slop throwing frogs and we're doing that pitching baits uh, if we got to go out and use a drop shot i'm comfortable with doing that too so you i'm bet. looking forward to it
0: absolutely well uh hopefully uh next week on episode 34 we'll have some exciting news you know maybe maybe matt cracked the dub so okay, i want my
1: coming hey. on fifteen thousand dollars richer hey
0: that'd be awesome <laughs> so yep we'll uh we'll see you next week